Welcome back to The Reporter's Notebook, an Inside the Daily Press podcast featuring SMDP reporters discussing the most interesting stories of the week and previewing upcoming items of interest. Inside the Daily Press podcasts are produced by the Santa Monica Daily Press, the city's premier news source for two decades. Visit smdp.com for the news of the day. Welcome back, everyone. It is Clara Harder here, reporter at the Daily Press, joined by Emily Sawicki. And we are once again giving you all the juicy deets of what we covered this week. And let me say, another eventful week. We were out stomping the cobbles. Lots of different visits and visitors coming to Santa Monica, starting off with a pretty high-profile one. Um, but Emily and I began our morning meeting bright and early at the Santa Monica Pier. So why don't you tell us about that? Uh, this morning, we were able to join in on a tour hosted by various city departments and business owners. Um, and it was a tour offered to U.S. U.S. Department of Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, um, who previously served uh, as governor of Michigan for eight years. Um, She came to town to check out all of the green initiatives that Santa Monica has implemented over the years. Um, Earlier this year, Santa Monica became a LEED Platinum Certified City, um, which is a big deal when you are the energy secretary, and she kind of wanted to see for Earth Day, which is today, um, she wanted to see what that's all about and how that might be implemented, perhaps uh, in different municipalities or on a larger scale. Um, and and in the tour, she really she was curious not only about the systems, but also the technology behind it and the financials and how it all is working for the city uh, budget-wise. Yeah. Um And I know you're writing an article about this, but what would you say were some of the tour highlights? Um, Because I know mine, and I also think I know yours. Um, Yeah, so mine, don't even have to think about it. It is when the secretary, um, we were in the basement of City Hall East, and uh, that is where the compost from the composting toilets is collected. And another word for compost is solid waste. Um, or poop um, from the toilets, and she was unfazed. She climbed right up on a ladder and asked for the rake. Of course, compost from toilets, like all compost, needs to be sifted and stirred and moved around as part of the process, and she just got right in there and raked up that human waste. Um, Heck yeah. yeah it, was quite a, it was quite a moment, I think, yeah. for all of us. Um, my, my highlight was a little more scenic and smelled a little better. Um, In fact, it smelled like the salty ocean breeze because we took a spin on the solar-powered Ferris wheel on the pier, the world's only and first uh, solar-powered wheel. And it was just a very lovely morning moment and kind of reminded me why Santa Monica is such a special and beautiful place, which, you know, when I'm in the thick of covering crime or homelessness or city council meetings that go until 4 a.m. because everybody is fighting each other, you can forget about. So that was just lovely moment for me and a great, great way to appreciate the natural landscape around us this Earth Day. Yeah, it was beautiful and a, and a nice chance for us to hang out together. You know, we both like reporting outside the office, but we have never gotten to do a reporting Tag field team. Trip. Yeah. Yeah, we even took a selfie. It was great. Um, but anyways, back to the hard hitting news. And I'm going to talk briefly about what was 
One of my most widely read stories of this week, it was a pretty sordid tale. If anyone is familiar with Elizabeth Holmes and the whole Theranos debacle, um, you might see some common threads in this story. Um, And also, if anybody here has gotten a COVID test at Same Day Health, you might also be particularly interested in this story because Same Day Health, the Venice-based COVID testing startup, got sued and had to pay or is about to pay a $26.45 million settlement for forging COVID test results. Yes, you heard that right. They literally sent photoshopped or allegedly, according to the suit that they agreed to pay a lot of money for, sent um, photoshopped PDFs of other people's tests with negative results to around 500 customers when they couldn't meet their promise to process the tests within 24 hours, um, which is really crazy. And then on top of that, part of the settlement was also for insurance fraud because they were involved in this scheme where they would have their insured customers do these two to three minute telemedicine conferences with a doctor, Dr. Um, Jeff Toll, who also got um, sued. And they would charge these insurance companies $450 for these tests that only took two to three minutes. And then the doctor, Dr. Jeff Toll, would send a chunk of the profits back to Same Day Health in return for referring them customers. This one uh, hit pretty close to home for you, didn't it, Clara? You've used them. Yeah, I've gotten so many tests at Same Day Health. Like I said, they started in Venice, uh, which is where I live. They also have Promenade, Main Street locations, and they expanded super quickly to 55 testing centers across the U.S. Wow. I was walking down the promenade yesterday and I saw that they're still open, still operating. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, made me curious. Do you know what is going to happen to the business going forward, their CEO going forward? What happens from here? So far, there's no word on whether the CEO will be stepping down um, and the settlement does not require him to do so. It was a civil court, like a financial settlement. Um, The settlement, it kind of cracked me up. It bars him from participating in the unlawful activities that led to the suit. So essentially the settlement said, you can't do illegal things. Um, But if I had to guess, there's got to be some criminal charges pending. Um, But for now, he's still CEO and Same Day Health is still operating. Um, So that, I would say, is the biggest um, headline to come out of the the. COVID sort of beat this week um, is second, possibly only to the mask mandate, not to, <laughs> not to say <laughs> my story is bigger. But well, it applies to the whole country. Yeah, so it's really, really, I'd say it's very important. Yeah. Um, and it, it applies to me particularly because I am a transit user. So um, I will say, you know, I have kept the mask on all week when you, you know, are on the train and the people around you, some of them are masked, some aren't, some are coughing and some are wiping their noses. And it, I'm not going to take that mask off. But, you know, of course, um, for a couple days this week, that mask mandate did drop and uh, there was a bit of a mix up um, after the federal mandate was lifted following a decision by a federal court judge in Florida. Oh, Florida. Right. Um, And yeah, so the masks were down for a couple days. And then starting at 12.01 a.m. this morning on Friday, um, the mask mandate is back on for L.A. County. Yeah. So as you mentioned, there was quite a kerfuffle and a confusion over 
what was mandated, what wasn't, and who had the authority to issue these mandates. Can you give me some clarity into um, sort of what is the chain of command when it comes to enforcing mandates? And how come this actually marked for the first time that L.A. County had its own mass mandate on transit? Yeah, 100%. This is the first transit-specific mask order that has come out of L.A. County this whole time Transit has been under the federal masking rules. So basically what happened is when the Biden administration's masking rules were struck down um, by this judge in Florida, all of these municipal transit organizations and counties, governments all over the country were not anticipating that this would happen. And they had no, you know, no orders in place. They were unprepared so very quickly, a lot of the transit agencies um, started lifting their mandates as well. Obviously, we are not wearing masks right now um, anywhere else in the county except for in hospitals and senior care. So uh, for a couple of days, you know, the, we were all sort of going, OK, well, <laughs> I guess masking is over whether, whether you know, the, the liberal government, whether the Democrats want it or not. Um, and the Biden administration said, we are going to wait and see what the CDC says. The CDC took a couple of days and eventually came out and said, no, we think masks are still really important right now. We're seeing a rise in cases due to this new Omicron sub variant. Um, and, you know, our recommendation is to have masks come back on. The Justice Department went ahead and filed um, a an argument um, to reinstate the federal mandate. And at that point, this, the county of Los Angeles said, okay, all of you, you know, transit um, organizations, I guess, LAX, Burbank Airport, LA Metro, of course, Metrolink, Big Blue Bus, everybody put the masks back on and um, everybody followed suit. So within a few hours, Big Blue Bus came out with a, a little statement saying, Put your mask back on and, and LA Metro did shortly thereafter as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for clearing that up. I honestly was pretty confused this whole week. Um, and yeah, I also pivoting um, pretty dramatically to a very different subject. I spent a lot of this week pouring over translations um, from the interview I did with this Ukrainian family. This was a big focus of my week. Um, some people might have seen it was featured in ABC seven last week. There is a family of refugees here who um, were taken in by a family that lives in Santa Monica. Um, but what was missing in that story were the voices of the refugees themselves because they don't speak English. Um, so I spent a couple hours this week at their house with the help of a um, translator who lives in Santa Monica and volunteered her time um, for free really chatting and getting to know these five pretty incredible people and the very tumultuous and stressful journey uh, that they took from Ukraine, central Ukraine, they come from the Poltova region, uh, all the way to Santa Monica. And I won't go into too many details here because I really think it's worth going in and reading the actual story. Um, but uh, a mom essentially fled with her two young children and they took this train in the middle of the night. It took many hours. They ran out of water. They got to Poland. The situation was terrible there. They tried to get into the U.S. 
there weren't visa appointments, but they thought they could cross it Tijuana and they went to Mexico and they were staying um, in these mass shelters there. And then um, finally the mom, the two children, her brother and the brother's girlfriend all made it here. And um, which is, it's such a huge accomplishment in and of itself, but it's really just the beginning of the journey for them because they don't know when they can go home. You know, the kids don't have schools to go back to. The mother's business has dried up. They don't speak English. Like, they don't have work permits yet. So, um, on the one hand, it's this very triumphant, exciting story of a family who was able to make it safely here. Um, but it also, like, there's still still a lot that, that needs to be done um, for them to get their life, like, back on track. And it's, um, I don't know, it's a very powerful moment very touching reporting. Yeah, that's an amazing story. And I think um, a good reminder for us, you know, here in Santa Monica, we're all victims of the 24-hour news cycle. Very easy to sort of lose track of the humanitarian crisis that's still going on in Europe. Um, But I don't think that losing track of the humanitarian crisis means that, you know, residents are any less invested in helping people. Um, And I'm curious... Sounds like this family's been through a lot. Are there ways to help them or, or ways to sort of like, what can you do when you hear this story? Obviously, you know, um, it, you want to open up your heart, you know, may, maybe open up your wallet as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you for asking. Um, two, two things that would be super helpful. The first, definitely, like you mentioned, opening up your wallet. The Lauer family that is hosting them in Ocean Park has created a GoFundMe for the family. Um, it's just created. They really haven't raised any money. They're they're the only people as of today that have donated. So I'm trying to blast this GoFundMe everywhere I can. We're going to link the GoFundMe in the episode notes of this podcast. Um, it'll also be on our website I would highly recommend everybody go give what they can there. And then additionally, um, the other thing that I think they're really looking for is they have this housing temporarily in Ocean Park, but there's, you know, five of them living in a family house that was already full of a family. They can't stay there for that long. So they really are looking for their next steps in housing. So whether that's somebody else who is willing to open up their homes for a chunk of time or someone who knows of a landlord who might be willing to cut them a deal. Uh, They have a relative in Reseda, so I'm guessing they'd be interested in going out there. I don't know if anyone has any leads there, but just sort of anything that might pertain to where these people might find housing next um, would be very helpful. But obviously the GoFundMe is the simplest way um, to help out. Um, So I guess staying on the topic of families in need, people in need in the community. Um, I wanted to touch base really quickly about um, a story that I worked on this week um, about the food pantry at Santa Monica College. Um, It's called Bodega, and um, it is sort of a new spin on uh, what, you know, a a traditional food pantry. It's open for four hours a week, um, sort of following the schedule of maybe what a traditional food pantry might be. But that's sort of where the um, where bodega diverges from what you have in your mind when you think about, you know, a soup kitchen type thing where people line up and they take what's offered to them because bodega offers so much and it offers it in a really welcoming, really bright, vibrant, high energy um, atmosphere I got to go down to Santa Monica College's uh, campus on Wednesday and meet the organizers down there, sort of check out the offerings. It was 
really, I mean, I found it really inspiring um, to see people who are really committing their lives to helping other people, especially in this environment, in this uh, educational environment where these are students who want to get ahead. You know, I mean, they want to better their lives, better their careers. And in the meantime, they're going hungry and they're not making ends meet. So um, Bodega is really there to help them sort of meet that basic need so that they can focus on, you know, finishing their homework and getting to class. Yeah, that is a really awesome program. Thank you for highlighting it. Um, So can you tell me a little bit more about how it works? Like, do students need to qualify as food insecure or show anything in order to access the services? So what's really amazing um, is that all you need to do is be registered as a student at Santa Monica College. And they are seeing students with all different types of needs, students from all different types of backgrounds. So there are young teenagers, you know, 17, 18, just got out of high school. They're taking their first steps away from mom and dad's house and realizing that they don't have the safety net that they used to have. And maybe it's they they didn't, you know, bring a lunch and they can't focus on their afternoon classes. It's totally fine for them to go and grab. They have some prepared food, you know, take what you need. Um, they're seeing senior citizens um, in their emeritus program who are, you know, struggling to get the fresh produce that they need. Um, so they offer a lot of organic um, vegetables that they grow right there on campus, which is really cool. And then mid-career students, um, a lot of people who are going back to school after stepping away, and they have diapers and baby wipes and baby food and all kinds of stuff. So um, there's the only thing that you need is to be a Santa Monica College student and to be in any kind of need, whether it's a week's worth of groceries or whether it's a snack for the afternoon. That's so awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and now is the time of the podcast where we normally tease what we have coming up, but I already went ahead and talked about my Ukraine article because I was just very excited so and passionate about the story. Um, so that's coming out on Saturday, which is when this podcast drops. Um, and yeah, please Hopefully go donate. You're listening to this podcast on your walk. Yes. So you can go you pick can up a copy. Walk right over and pick one up. Yes. Um, also, fun fact, I haven't mentioned this on the podcast, but if you go to our website um, on the, like the top banner, you can click on find us and it shows you a map of all of our uh, newsstand stations. But anyways, that was my tease. Emily, what are you teasing? What do you have coming up? So this one is not going to be in print until the end of this coming week, but I am very much looking forward to the Santa Monica Democratic Club making its endorsements for the primaries, and that is going to be coming out. Their meeting is on Wednesday. It will make it into the Friday paper, um, and I am excited to see what our local Dems, obviously we are in a Democratic district for just about every office so their endorsements are really the endorsements for not just the Democrats, but really realistically, um, you know, the races uh, that that we're going to be seeing coming up on the primary ballot. Yeah, that is definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, the primaries are really just around the corner at this point. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing your coverage as I sort of consider my moves in this in this voting season. Um But yeah, that's pretty much everything that we have to talk about this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, And I'm going to plug again, if you want more behind the scenes stuff as it happens or reporting out on the street, you should follow both of us on Twitter. I am at underscore Clara Harter, 
C-L-A-R-A-H-A-R-T-E-R. I am at Emily underscore Sawicki, and that's E-M-I-L-Y underscore S-A-W-I-C-K-I. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Inside the Daily Press. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or listen on our website at smdp.com slash pod. Music for Inside the Daily Press is provided by The Brig Band, LA's premier jam band. To find out when and where you can hear them live, visit thebrigband.com.